Welcome to episode 21 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies Podcast. I am your co-host, The Father, also known as Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings. And we're finishing up our run through George Romero's dead films for Halloween. And to do that, I need my trusty co-host. Jackson, the son, and hey, is that a zombie? I guess I better get my camera out to record my friend dying. Uh, you're a filmmaker. You'd be tempted. Um, we are a spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we discuss. So be warned. Um, so before we get to uh, both Diary of the Dead and, and Survival of the Dead, what have you been watching this week, buddy, on our build-up to Halloween? Oh, oh, too many movies. Um, well, let's see. I, I tuned into Joe Bob Briggs hosting his, I guess it's not a Halloween marathon, but I guess it technically was based on the movies he was showing. But um, a lot of Hammer movies. Uh, I did a top 10 Hammer movies video on YouTube. So in preparation for I that. I saw that. It was excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So I I spent uh, all day yesterday working on that and watching Hammer movies like uh, Quatermass in the Pit and The Curse of the Werewolf. Um, fantastic Good movies. Yeah. Oliver Reed, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and I've been watching a lot of Romero Dead movies, Survival of the Dead, and I guess I'm spoiling it now, but, you know, the two nice remaining... Yeah. The two remaining Dying living the dead, dead. Survival of the Dead, yeah. Um, which I have uh, strange opinions on that I think most people wouldn't agree with but um i'm excited to talk about that i saw the the third Candyman movie oh boy oh did you worst movie i think i've ever seen really yeah did not like that poor tony Todd. i didn't i didn't love the second one but uh mm-hmm. and of course i love the first one but yeah i've seen the second one i don't think i've seen the third one it's interesting it's it's more like a straight-up slasher and less psychological gotcha well, yeah, I watched uh, Joe Bob's uh, Halloween Hoot Nanny as as well, <laughs> or at least I made it through two of the movies before I conked out. I know you and I were messaging back and forth while we were watching it. I think at first we, I was at least a little disappointed that he was doing a Halloween marathon because I thought he was going to do a deep dive into something else. But then it turned out to be really cool, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had some interesting factoids that I didn't know, like uh, the fact I was talking to you about this, the fact that Deborah Hill possibly hasn't seen halloween in a while because she's misremembering what's in the movie yeah um, she joe bob uh, i'm sure he got some flack for it saying that there's no way halloween is a is a feminist movie mm-hmm. um like deborah hill claimed because you know deborah hill claimed there was no nudity in it that's wrong deborah hill claimed that jamie lee curtis's character laurie strode was never scared in it that's <laughs> obviously wrong yep and she and she claimed that there wasn't a lot of violence against women which is totally wrong <laughs> it's mainly against women, isn't yep. it? Yep. There's what one man dies, and oh, I guess if you count the mechanic too. But yeah, the babysitter murders, and all the babysitters are girls. So, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, I watched um, uh, Haunt on Shutter. Yeah, uh, the new movie uh, written and directed by the guys who wrote uh, A Quiet Place and a, mm-hmm. uh, a buddy of uh, buddies of Justin Beam, and I was kind of shocked when i went online to see how polarizing yep. the movie has been because oh, yeah. i really enjoyed it and yes i did too I, I i loved it and i saw reviews that were like two stars and i was like what is this i had fun i mean the characters are stupid but you wouldn't have a movie if you didn't have stupid have uh, stupid characters and people were saying it's a little repetitive and i agree with that but i really love the ending and the big twist that comes with that yeah, I did too. I thought it was a lot of fun, a throwback slasher. And 
I saw a lot of people saying, well, but Funhouse was better or Hellfest was better. And I thought, what? But it's its own movie. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't see anybody, and I'm not trying to pick a fight. I just, I don't see anybody going, you know, eh, we've seen this before with 80 slashers. Well, we've seen almost all of it with 80 slashers. That doesn't mean we don't love our 80 slashers. I mean, right. You know, we cut our slashers a lot of slack, in my opinion. Like, you know, I love The Prowler, even though, you know, let's face it, the acting's not exactly top notch in The mm-hmm. Prowler. It's, it's thanks largely to Tom Savini's effects. But I, you know, I, I, I don't see that. So we've had Hellfest, we've had Bloodfest, we had Many Moons Ago, we had, you know, Toby Hooper's The Funhouse. But in and of itself, just watching for an hour and a half a, a throwback slasher, I just thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and there were a lot of really interesting set pieces, I thought, where they were trying to think of ways to incorporate this fun house and make it, you know, terrifying. Um, and this isn't a, a spoiler, but there's, there's a moment with a tunnel, um, that I thought was yeah. really scary, um, with the ends being shut off and, you know, the bottoms falling out. And that's a really cool scene. Um, just lots of really cool, like you could tell that they're just having fun trying to design sets. So it'd be scary. And, um, it's kind of like they were designing their own fun house in a way, their own, um, haunt and uh that's that's interesting to me that you know the art of filmmaking isn't that far off from the art of making a haunted house no which is why i guess that rob zombie and others have you know always get into it but i you know i thought that there were some things i won't get into it because i want to spoil haunt because i'm sure there's a lot of people haven't seen it yet it's streaming on shutter but i i like that there's an aspect to it that they don't explain Mm -hmm. and i i I like that in this kind of maybe a little bit sci-fi yeah, I guess. I just, I didn't know. I didn't know if there was some mm-hmm. kind of cultic thing going on, plastic surgery. I don't know, but it was, to me, I thought it was cool that they didn't explain it. They just let it go. I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. Yep. And I feel like that's a throwback to the 80s slashers. Like they wouldn't always have an explanation for why the killer looks like a monster, you know, or whatever. But um, yeah, it's interesting. And I, I feel like the characters are a little dull, but that's how, you know, if you really want to recreate 80s slashers, that's how you do it. Um, much as I love um, movies like The Burning, I wasn't exactly invested in what the characters were doing or Madman. You know, I'm more interested in what oh, Madman Mad Mars Man. is doing. Um, beware of the Madman Mars, but that's a whole other story. I do love Madman. I saw Big Bill just wrote, wrote a review for HMP on that. I love it, even though it's ridiculous. Some of the worst mm-hmm. music in, in, a, in a slasher ever. <laughs> he, his theme song has lyrics. That's hilarious to me. Oh, man. There's a scene in the movie that's supposed to be terrifying. It's just a folk song. It is. Yeah, it's a folk song from the 80s when folk was dead. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty funny. So, all right. So anything else you've been watching that you want to talk about or so we uh, move on? Just a lot of crap, really. I, I'm more excited to talk <laughs> about our main features for this episode. All righty. Well, let's get to it. So let's begin our wrap up of Romero's Dead Movies with his only found footage film from 2008. I know some list is 2007, but it really got wide release in 2008. And that is Diary of the Dead. Two news agencies are reporting accounts of the dead returning to life. From legendary filmmaker George A. Romero. Yeah, there's an army of them. Comes his groundbreaking new vision. From now on, everyone who dies is going to come back. Of the beginning of the end. All that's left is to record what's happening. George A. Romero's Diary of the Dead. I think it's time we left this place. 
So Diary of the Dead, it's been a while since I've seen it, maybe 11 years since I've seen it, but the IMDb uh, plot synopsis says a group of young film students run into real life zombies while filming a horror movie of their own, which is fairly accurate, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um, that's not really the focus of the movie, like the the them making their own movie. I think that's in the first 30 seconds to just kind of explain why they're filming. But uh, yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. Well, then the guy decides that he, you know, because he was making a horror movie, sure. and he said he wants to be a documentary sort filmmaker. Of, so sort of he like shift to that. Right. What, what I was thinking when I saw that is it's sort of like what you're supposed to believe with the first, you know, part of um, one cut of the dead. It kind of reminded me of that. This This director who's taking full advantage of, you know, the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And we will... Something tells me that when we do our top 10 <laughs> list in January, we'll be talking about One yeah. Cut of the Dead, I think. Yep. Which is also streaming on Shutter, and people should definitely check out, and, and I think you'll agree with me, stick past the 30-minute mark. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it get, There's a reason for it. I mean, you can't just cut that part out of the movie, but um, yeah, it definitely picks up after that point. Yeah, absolutely. So... Going back to Diary of the Dead, the plot is really that you've got some students from uh, University of Pittsburgh. They're making a movie. They've got a uh, faculty advisor there. They're making a mummy movie, of all things, in 2007. (laughs) And the zombie apocalypse breaks out, and they decide to try to jump into an RV and try to get cross-country to a friend's house. And, of course, they encounter everything you would imagine between there and then from the zombie apocalypse, while the wannabe documentary filmmaker who was directing the horror film decides that he wants to make a documentary filmmaker of the zombie apocalypse. So that's what's going on now. This, of course, is really because we could have, I guess, because I just I'd forgotten about this, but we could have wrapped this up with Land of the Dead because this is really kind of an alt control delete. This is kind of a restart for Romero, mm-hmm. right? Um, Maybe. I would see it less as a reboot or a remake and more of like another story from the beginning of the apocalypse. And yeah, um, what we were talking about last week with Land of the Dead is that technology is different than it was, you know, with Night of the Living Dead. But I don't know that this is necessarily a complete reboot of the world. I think it's just another story from the first you know, well, I think he actually said it was. I think oh, remember, okay. I may be wrong. Well, there I you may go. be wrong. But well, I may be wrong. But it, it seems like because I wa- or rewatched it earlier in the week and rewatched a really bad special feature um, <laughs> on it. But I think Romero said he was basically restarting with with Diary of the Dead. And, and of course, when we get to Survival of the Dead, we see that it feeds right off of Diary of the Dead, right? Right. I mean, and I think that might be the strong strongest evidence that it is a reboot because there's a direct sequel to it, which we don't usually see. Right. So you have these film students, they hit the road in the middle of the zombie apocalypse, apparently driving through back roads instead of the Pennsylvania Turnpike, uh, where I've been many, many times. They hit the road. One commits suicide. We did say we spoiled this um, or tries to commit suicide. They head to an abandoned hospital. Is that ever a good idea in the zombie apocalypse? No. And and you would think that since these people are horror movie filmmakers that they would have seen horror movies because it's never a good idea to when you see a shadow behind a veil to be like, oh, I wonder what's behind there. Oh, a zombie? What? Yeah, what they go like, oh, doctor? Nurse? Yeah. Nurse? Which, I mean, doctor? Like, you know, it's like a bad slasher where you walk outside. Yeah. Todd? Tim? John? Yeah. Let me go into the woods after you. Is that are those footsteps I hear? Let me go out there. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, and so if, yeah, they continue running zombies. They mistake for people. And uh, did you think they were stupid? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you did. Just, they, did I... No hesitation. Just yeah, they're stupid. 
Yeah, the zombies are smarter. And I think we see that, don't we? I mean, the zombies are smarter than the people, which is always a good sign. I did like some of the things they did on the way, like in the hospital. I like the attempted kill with the shock paddles. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. like that. Yes. Yeah, one one thing that I'll give to this movie is that um, there are some creative kills. There are some creative set pieces. They utilize the found footage um they they utilize it to a degree. I don't think it needed to be a film footage movie, and I'll talk about that more later because I've got some gripes with that. But um, yeah, I think it's creative enough to hold your attention, but it's it's definitely not art. We may disagree on that. We will see. Okay. But I I do like that. I I like that once they finally get out of the hospital, um, and they go to the Amish farm. I love the deaf Amish dude who goes all Clint Eastwood with the TNT. That's fantastic. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing about this reboot, I guess these two movies we'll be talking about. I feel like there's a lot more like comedy, like a lot more set pieces that you're supposed to chuckle at and be like, Oh, that's, that's kind of ridiculous. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah. Like when we, yeah, yeah, yeah. when we talk about survival of the dead, when you have the flaming head zombie, who lights right. a guy's cigarette with his head that's on fire. Just right. stuff like that. And I wonder if that's because Shaun of the Dead was, uh, he, he enjoyed that so much. He was like, oh, so zombies are funny now. Um, because there is a lot more comedy in these movies, whereas before they were, the, the zombies themselves were handled a lot more seriously. Yeah, that's that's true. There And there is some forced comedy in both of these movies that we're covering. Mm-hmm. I think more so in the second one than in okay. this one, but... So they get out of the Amish farm and they run into a group of African-Americans at a gas station who have, instead of kind of fleeing to the hills, they've stayed put in their hometown. And, and they, I love when they ask, you know, the, the, the kind of leader of the group, why have you stayed? Because, because, you know, we finally have the power now. Um, and so, and then you have Romero's on camera, you know, cameo spinning the news as a police chief with a complicit news media. So you've got all that. So Diary of the Dead, I remember reading some reviews when it came out saying that even though it got generally positive reviews, it some of the people said, I'm not sure if Romero's saying anything here. Well, I think, you know, we talked about last week with Land of the Dead, where he kind of accidentally ended up kind of commenting on. Uh, the Bush administration and the war on terror. I think this is much more deliberate, you know, kind mm-hmm. of it's basically a commentary on Homeland Security and, you know, that whole progressive idea that the Bush administration was lying to us. They're just trying to keep us into fear, you know, all the other kind of stuff. And I think that's what's going on with that cameo with Romero and the media and so forth. Don't you? Yeah. Um, I feel like with both of these movies that we're talking about, the political, um, stance of the director and of the filmmakers um i feel like it's a little bit more obvious because people were complaining that he wasn't making stuff obvious enough so he was like okay here you go here's a reboot found footage i know you guys like that in this day and age and oh here's a message you know right there i don't i don't know um i don't really care for this movie <laughs> i I've, I've been trying to stay i can positive. tell i'm picking up on that i um i have a lot to say i just mm. I, I, here's what I, I'll tell you what I enjoyed, okay? The extras on the DVD I had, okay, were kind of funny because George Romero was treating this as if it was the most revolutionary thing that has ever graced the face of this earth. Um, Get which out. I thought, was, I thought it was hilarious. Um, the opening scene with the reporters, okay? I think that's cool. 
um, that you know the people sitting up on the on the gurneys and killing people. That's cool. Um, when the effects are practical, they're all right. I mean, they're not. I don't think they're the best of the series, but they're pretty good. The thing that I don't like is the CGI blood. I feel like we see a lot of that where people get shot yeah. and a spray of of really low quality CGI blood goes out the back of their head. Um, and I have a lot of problems, but if you want to keep recounting the plot, I mean, I don't want to interrupt because well, I can go on. No, I can, we will get to that. I was just pointing out that you're like, yeah, you can like the acid kill when they're mm-hmm. with a group of African-Americans. If you remember that, the guy, they, they lost one of their own who's had a heart attack or something like that. And, you know, he resurrects as a zombie and, and um, you know, so a guy throws acid on him and you can tell that CGI. I, I, and I liked it. It was a little too CGI-ish. I will give you that. But I still think that, oh man, if, if you know, and the budget on this was limited. Let, let's say this was not Land of the Dead with 20 million. This was like 2 million. Mm-hmm. So they did rely a little too much on CGI. I do believe Greg Nicotero was the head of effects again. But, you know, I can just see it kind of broke my heart, even though I thought it was cool. I thought, oh, man, you can just see Greg Nicotero like salivating when he read the script. and said, oh, somebody's going to throw acid on a zombie. This will yeah. be awesome. And then he had to go CGI. I think that was probably budgetary, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's budgetary. But also you have to think about the fact that you have to pay CGI artists to you know, design and model the stuff, render it into the scene. So I don't, I don't know how much, how much cheaper is CGI than practical effects. Because if you get people that really know how to do it, I don't know that it would be that much more expensive. Like not by a figure, I guess if you're on in such a small budget. And I mean, $2 million is a lot of money. I mean, Blair Witch project was made on a lot less than that but also Blair Witch Project doesn't have a lot of actual on-screen horror I would say um or effects but yeah there's not a lot of effects in Blair Witch but I I think it just depends on what kind of CGI who's doing the CGI how much CGI I, I think that that's the factor I think if it's some blood squibs and a zombie's head kind of dissolving or you know, fire or blood shooting out of somebody's eyes with a crash paddles. I don't think that would be too expensive. Yeah. But yeah, I guess when you have the full body molds and the giant, like, like when we're talking about day of the dead with the guy being ripped apart and his entrails being eaten, I'm sure that would be a lot more expensive than like a blood splatter. I just don't understand why they went. And when the CGI looks so bad, I mean, I keep railing on the CGI blood, but CGI blood just looks so bad. Um, it doesn't have the same properties as like a real liquid. It just kind of fizzes out and like evaporates in the air. It's the weirdest thing. I can't even describe it. It's like mist. You know what I mean? Like somebody, like a spray bottle of blood. No, I get um, it. No, yeah, I, I, I completely get where, where you're going. And I, I do have problems with the film. I'm not coming in as high uh, with this one as I do others. Like, you know, when mm-hmm. they get to Deb's home or then they, they get to the rich brat's home, um, you know what's happening. You, you know, there's nothing that's going to surprise you there. You know it's going to take a wrong turn, right? Right. Um, and okay, so like I said, I really dislike this movie. I want to have production productive discussions about it, but I want to get I want to get where I'm standing out of the way. Okay. So Diary of the Dead, obviously, found footage movie. I have no problem with found footage movies. I just like them to warrant being a found footage movie. You know what I mean? Is that is that fair that to be a found footage movie, it needs to utilize that and and like make sense for it to be a film footage movie yeah i guess but i i think it's a pretty wide gate and today when you have such an i mean look i mean how many documentaries are on netflix right now 
I mean, you know, when I was growing up, you'd be lucky to get a documentary on on PBS once every few years, unless you were Ken Burns. I mean, it's just, <laughs> but now they're everywhere. And, and partly it's because, as Joe Bob says all the time, it's so much cheaper than it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> you have documentaries out the wazoo. And so I can see somebody going, okay, we've got a camera crew. The zombie apocalypse has broken out. And they say several times they believe that the army, the government, it'll shut it down. So in the meantime, we're going to make a documentary. I can see a filmmaker doing that. So I don't have a problem with that aspect of it. But I understand what you're saying. And I, I know that Wolfman Josh has problems with this movie as a documentary filmmaker. So uh, maybe I'm missing something. But and but I that I didn't have a problem with. My problem with this movie, and then I'll let you just go for it. But my problem with this movie is more that one what Romero has to say here, I think he's already said inadvertently with Land of the Dead. Um, and so, like, you know what's going to happen when the Army National Guard shows up. And they're like, oh, thank goodness we're saved. You right. know they're not going to be saved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've seen 28 Days Later or anything else, you know they're not going to be saved. This is not going to go well. Um, and you know when they go, oh, goodness, we're home. Just drop me off. I'm going to get you. You know that's not going to go well. This is a This is a dead movie. And so unlike a straight siege narrative like you get in Night of the Living Dead or, you know, the kind of mall paradise gone wrong, kind of mall paradise lost, you know, that you get in Dawn of the Dead, it's a little predictable. It's a Mm -hmm. little too predictable. But the found footage stuff I didn't always mind. And, you know, so that... That didn't bother me so much. It just my problem with this movie and my major problem with the next movie is, you know, if I'm going to watch a, a Romero dead movie, one of two things, or I'm going to watch a zombie movie, one of two things is going to happen. Okay, it's either just going to be a straight zombie movie and it's just going to be a lot of fun, like Zombieland, you know, or mm-hmm. it's just going to be, you know, straight kind of here the zombies, we need to kill them you know, like full cheese zombie or something like that. It's just going to be a gross out and, and okay, fine. Or it's going to have something to say. And typically with Romero, he has something to say, but here it's like, okay, you've already said it. Yep. Um, so now it just feels like, oh, you can do found footage movies and make money, you know, mm-hmm. Blair Witch and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so it's just like Romero is repeating himself just with uh, a smaller budget and being able to pull it off. And that's, and then because of the way that he did it with the road trip thing, which I've read, I don't know, I've read probably a dozen zombie novels that do the same thing. You know that every like 10 miles, something bad's going to happen, mm-hmm. um, which is what happens here. And that's my problem with it. I didn't have a problem with it as a found footage movie. I didn't have a problem with the, the premises being a found footage. My problem with it, it was just a little too predictable. That's mine, but you you mm-hmm. go for yours. Okay, um, so maybe my problem with it isn't that they're recording it, that, that they keep recording. My problem is, why was it released? Um, uh, so, Whoa! <laughs> really? Um, I mean, not the movie, the video in that is in the movie. You know oh, I mean? okay, so you're talking about when they're like uploading stuff online. Sure, or, yeah, 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 okay, okay. so, okay, so, uh, okay. 
so in the beginning we get this um narration right <laughs> um from one of the characters and she says oh well he would want this to be released and I've added music to it and edits to scare you, you know, because she says, I've added music to the footage. Oh, you're going back to the opening, the opening narration. Okay. The opening narration. Why is she trying to scare you? This is footage of her friends in peril. Like who does that? And okay. Um, one, one thing that was pointed out to me, I watched the cinemassacre monster madness. He does like short reviews on movies and, um, he covered this movie, and the one thing he said was, um, the camera somehow always catches all of the action, and the, the audio is somehow always perfect. Everybody is always, it's like they've got lav mics on, except they don't. You can always hear everybody perfectly, True. and you can always see all of the action. It's always lit well. And somehow the camera always is pointed at like, like when there's one moment where the guy sets the camera down, and he sets it down facing himself. Like, he sets it down facing himself while he's hugging. You know, like, who does that? Just all the time, just setting it down facing them whenever they're doing something. It's, it's kind of laughable. Um, so your problem with it, it as a found footage movie is it's it's too perfect. It, if it had more yeah. flaws, yeah, it, it, would exactly. be, it would look more realistic. And, and if you, they didn't, if the opening narration had nothing to it, more of just kind of, it was a, she's putting it out there as a cautionary tale rather than something else. Yeah. Right, um, and movies like Blair Witch, we keep talking about Blair Witch, but that is a sterling example of a film footage movie, in my opinion. You know, you have scenes where it's just a, the character's forehead, and you can't see what's happening. It's what you don't see that's scarier, because you're not going to have the camera trained on everything that's happening at all times. That's not how you work. When And, and I've, I've been in situations where I'm filming something, and I, I hear something that's really scary, and I'm like, oh, what was that? You know what I mean? I don't train the camera on anything. I just leave the camera where it is, because that's not the most important thing. But in this movie, it's always priority numero uno. You know, my friends are dying, whatever. Got to get the camera. Got to gotta cover this. You know, when does it yeah. stop being, when when does it stop being so important that I make this movie and start being more important that you survive to make, to edit the movie in the first place? And as we see, uh, doesn't go well, so but well. Are, are you going from the premise that, you know, that these people are as moral as you are? <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, well, because I, mean, I, I was thinking about this when I was watching it. Could you see this? Now, in 2007, it probably would not have been, but now you could say it's one of those, one maybe one of the things Romero ended up doing that he didn't count on, kind of like in Land of the Dead, is it's almost a commentary on, well, Pixar didn't happen culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but, but really, when does... It gets ridiculous after a certain point. I can understand recording the beginning and being like, oh, this is really cool. But then when it starts getting really bad, like when you have a friend shoot themselves and you record it and you keep that on camera and you put that in the movie, um, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? And that's not my well, only but problem. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I see, I see stuff on the news every morning where people are recording with their phone and you're thinking, why aren't you getting in there to help that person? Why are you just standing there recording? So... I'm yeah, not but sure. that's different. I that's understand different. what you're saying, but yeah, and um, that's not the only problem I have with this movie. I have a problem with the acting. Um, not that. Oh, I mean, I, I'm I'm there with you. That there, I'm there with you. The acting is mediocre at best. Yeah, compared to the other, I mean, it's not that bad. But when you have a found footage movie, you have to really sell that these are real people, and I don't feel like these are real people. I feel like they're characters, and that doesn't work so well with a found footage movie. Um. 
you know, with Survival of the Dead, which we'll talk about later, I mean, the acting is just as bad, if not worse in some parts, but it's not a found footage movie, so you're not supposed to believe that these are just your regular, everyday, you know, everyday Joe just recording a video. With found footage movies, you have to believe that they're real people you're watching, going through real experiences. Like, um, I think a movie that does it really well is, like, um, The Visit. The Visit. Like, those kid actors are are phenomenal, um, yes, and you really are. believe you really believe that they're in peril, right? With this movie, I'm like, okay, when are the actors going to stop shooting and when do they get off set? You know what I mean? That's all I'm thinking about because they're trying to sell that these pe- people are really going through these experiences and that they're really recording it firsthand. But all you feel like is, okay, now they're going through this choreography and now they're going over here. Their mark is over there. Oh, does it, it looks like there's a little bit of tape on the ground. That's where they're supposed to stop so they can be in frame. You know what I mean? I, it just doesn't so feel would like... You- wanted more character development like where they're in the rv traveling maybe a little bit more yeah oh, I have... we don't get anything other than the faculty advisor gets some right where he's yeah. talking about, yeah and he's cool um but there's one, one of the biggest problems i have with it is the way they're introduced where that you find out their names because the guy behind the camera has them all say their names to the camera <laughs> like that's the laziest thing ever please state your name for the camera like <laughs> Is that really the most important thing in a zombie apocalypse? And they all say their first and last names right into the camera like it's totally natural, like that's their real name, you know, first and last name. Like who says their name like, my name is Sarah Jessica Tyler and I am 39 years old. That is what the director told me to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I see what you're saying. I mean, you know, but still, okay, I'm, well, let me say this. Before we go on, um, because I, I think we're probably close to wrapping this puppy up from what you're saying. Um, I did think it was cool. The, the cameos in this, did you catch the voice cameos in this? No, I cut obviously. I mean, there's no way you can't catch George Romero, but I didn't catch any voice. Wes Craven. Where, where was Wes Craven in this movie? He was one of the, many of the, when you're listening to news reports or, uh, public announcements, stuff like that. You've got Wes Craven, Stephen King, Tom Savini, Guillermo del Toro, Simon Pegg, and Quentin okay. Tarantino. I, d- I thought I heard some, some British Cockney accent, but I wasn't sure where that was coming from. Um, yeah, but that doesn't really sell me on this movie. That just sounds like, oh, they paid them to come into the studio for a day. I mean, I love all those people. And oh, they volunteered like, for George. You don't think they were paid in any way? Tom may have been, but the rest of them volunteered for George. Oh, Bush. yeah. Yeah, I can see Tom Savini being like, okay, so money win. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, the rest of them volunteered. It, and so I do like the voice cameo. So I just wanted to get that in there if people didn't didn't know. Sure. But okay. So back to your back to your point. Yeah, I, I do have, I have problems with the acting. Um, I agree with you. It would have been a stronger film if it appeared to be a little more flawed uh, found mm-hmm. footage film. If I'm thinking of, there are parts in the paranormal activity movies, for example, where you don't see what's going on. A person is dragged yeah. off camera and, and for like 30 seconds or more, you're just left there in silence. You have no idea what's going on. And I think that proved effective. And so is that's, that's mm-hmm. what you're saying is that, that it could have yep. used a little more of that. Yep. You feel like it's a professional camera crew and these are students. These are not people that would 
you know, always be on track and always be on focus and the lighting is always perfect. That would never happen in real life. Um, I just feel like, and one of the things also I saw this uh, pointed out in Monster Madness, there's this, there's a part where the battery indicator flashes on screen, but that wouldn't be in the recording. That only plays on the monitor of the camera, right. not in the recording. Right. Why is that in the recording? <laughs> um, so they tried to add flaws to it to make it look like it's really recording from a camera, but then the logic doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but I think that for the average viewer, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and you've been behind a camera, I've been behind a camera. I think that was what Josh's problems with it were as well. But I think for the average viewer, they wouldn't catch that. Sure. Yeah, and I, I think that's where most of my problems... In a, in a vacuum, this movie would be a pretty good zombie movie. If you didn't know that this was the master of zombies, if, this, if you didn't know this was a George Romero, if you had no idea what that what that meant... If you didn't know that this was a sequel to Land of the Dead, which I thought was, or I guess it's not a sequel, a, a reboot of the series of Land, you know, Day, Dawn, and Night, then this would be a pretty good movie. A pretty good found footage movie, too. But in the context of it being a Living Dead movie, and it being, you know, this, you know, it seems like, oh, George Romero is going to make more zombie movies, more than ever, but what does that cost? You know what I mean? He made Land of the Dead, and then immediately after he made this, and then immediately after Survival of the Dead, and the quality is just not there anymore. It just, I so, don't know. I'm, I'm, so your expectations played a big part in it. Yep. And and after Land of the Dead, I mean, I, I kind of dug that movie. This movie just let me down. Okay. All right. So anything else you want to bring up on Dire of the Dead before we, we put this uh, baby to to rest, put it on the fire. <laughs> if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. So no, I'm ready to rate it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll go first because no, I'll tell you what, you go first. So you tell me okay. what is your rating and recommendation on Diary of the Dead. Okay. As a Romero dead movie, this movie sucks. As a zombie movie in general, it's okay. So I'm going to average the two of those together. This is a 3.5 out of 10. Oh, I call it a low-priority rental, and I would say the special features are cool, and I would recommend that you see the special features. I would recommend you see this once. If it's not your bag, move on. I liked it a lot more than you. I do have problems with it, um, and I have some serious issues with the acting, and I hear what you're saying about the camera work and so forth. Um I think it's still an enjoyable movie. I think there are parts of it I think that are really good. I think that it does work as a um, commentary on kind of uh, our narcissistic selfie culture. Um, so I still like it. I'm giving it a 6 out of 10. Mm. And I would say that it's definitely worth a rental, that we both own it. Um, mm -hmm. I own the Blu-ray. You own the DVD. So... I would say that if you're a, a Romero completist, buy it. If you're a zombie fan, you definitely want to see it. I would say for horror fans in general, it's it's a fairly low priority rental. But I would still I would still recommend checking it out. All right, man, I'm so excited for this next movie. Oh boy, I hope you have something to say because man, I I rewatched this um, this morning, and I had not seen it in probably nine years. So. Um, mm -hmm. So let's move on to 2010's Survival of the Dead. Last time anyone counted, 53 million people were dying every year, 150,000 every day, 
107 every minute. It had become an us versus them world. All we were looking for was a place where there was no them. Lousy times make lousy people. All the wrong people are dying. Silent deeds to be rid of them. We like it here. We think the best way of seeing this through is here. We don't want no place. We want some place. Like where? Like an island. It's an island off the coast of Delaware. Come on over. Only families ever lived on this island were yours and mine. No strangers. What are you gonna do with that? They're Muldoons. It's up to me to save them. You can't save a person who's already dead. Somebody's gonna find a cure for this. A beautiful place to live. And to die. Also better known as Hatfield and McCoy's during the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Isn't that the Irish. plot? Yep. A uh, bunch of Irish people disagree on what to do with zombies. So they kick one guy out and there you go. There's the plot of the movie. Um, well, the interesting thing about this is, let, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. This is, if you haven't seen it, and this is probably the Romero's dead film that probably got the least viewership, I would guess. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got a film set, uh, shot in Canada set on an island off of Delaware for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. And on this island, Plum Island, off the coast of Delaware you have two rival families who are both Irish, though they appear to have been there for some time. Um, And they've been rival families for a long time. Um, So this Hatfield-McCoy thing's been going on in Delaware um, for a long time. I can see if they shot this off the coast of Georgia. I'm not sure about Delaware. Um, I've been to Delaware many times, unfortunately, and I, I, I never encountered any rednecks or uh, or or Irish we people. Do but get anyway, a lot of, we do get both of those. That's strange. I feel like they're just archetypes thrown in here. But in Delaware, it's just an odd choice. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's, you know, I, 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 anyway, um, I spent way too much time in Delaware when I was traveling. But it, it's just, it's an odd choice. And so this family's never gotten along. The zombie apocalypse breaks out. They disagree. One family thinks that it is apparently God's will, I think he says at one point, Mm -hmm. to save especially the zombies that are related to him or his friends um, on the possibility that a cure will come around, right? But he goes back on that later. I mean, he does not make good on that. Well, he's got some strange ideas and it's a little, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's not very clear, but he, um, and the other family decides, no, we just need to kill all the zombies and make the island safe. And so they clash over that. Um, and it comes to, you know, to gunfights and one of them gets banished 
In the meantime, we're reintroduced to the National Guard unit who robbed uh, the students in, in Diary <laughs> of the Dead. Who are our protagonists now? What, what the heck? They're a protagonist? I, I like, know. why are we choosing to follow these guys? I know. Um, it's an odd choice. It's an odd choice. And so uh, they pick up a kid, a uh, teenager, and he's got a video of the guy has been banished, you know, trying to get people to come to the island. It turns out he's just trying to rob people, but they get on a ferry, they get to the island, and the battle between the two ensue. Uh, the the National Guardsmen who, on one hand, are going, I don't stick my neck out for anybody, suddenly they're throwing in with one family. Um, I don't really understand that. And so that battle ensues. I'm not sure I understand the ending. I'm not sure I understand the choice of accents. I'm not mm-hmm. sure I understand a lot of what's going on here. I'm not sure what this movie's trying to say. Um, apparently, I read that Romero was inspired to make this movie by his favorite Western, The Big Country, which mm-hmm. is a movie that it's got like Charlton Heston and Burl Ives in it and stuff. It, it It's a beautifully shot Western. I don't think it's a particularly great Western. I'm not sure why Romero picked this or what, why, uh, you know, a, uh, guy with Hispanic heritage from the Bronx decided that the Hatfield and McCoys was a really interesting subject. Um, (laughs) I I don't really get it. There's just a lot of strange choices in this movie. Sure. Um, Can I throw you a curveball? Go for it. I like this more than Diary of the Dead. (laughs) Oh, Um, man. Good Lord, why? Why? Hear me out. Hear me out. I like this more than than Diary of the Dead for a, for a few reasons. First of all, Diary of the Dead was fresh, you know, in my head. Um, without the found footage style, the below average acting from some of the characters I thought was less distracting. Also, that island looks really cozy. It looks like a place where I would want to spend a weekend. Um, and and um, that flaming headed zombie kill was awesome. The flare I don't gun care what kill. You say. Yeah. Yeah, flare gun kill. That was awesome. That was heavy CGI, though. All of it's CGI in this movie, essentially, except for you know the zombies when they're when they're not being killed. Um, like there's a there's a kill early on where the guy's like the middle part of his head is blown off or or, or hit away or something. I don't quite remember. And then the top half of his head falls onto this, his neck stump. It's just right. a lot of weird CGI. And um. It's not a good movie. This is not a good movie. No. But I thought it was I thought it was more fun than Diary of the Dead. I want to clarify. It's more fun than Diary of the Dead. I had a better time watching it because the characters are all expendable and that's the most fun. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I, uh, I feel like Diary of the Dead was more was more heavy than this movie. This movie is more just wow, cool zombie kills, and we're going on an island now, and they're Irish people. What? Why are there Irish people? I don't know. Um, there are zombies chained to mailboxes. There's a, there's a mailman zombie who's chained in the mailbox, and he picks up mail, puts it in the mailbox, takes the mail out of the mailbox, goes back and puts the mail in the mailbox again. <laughs> and that's yeah. his routine. There's zombies driving yeah. cars in this movie. They drive a car on the ferry. Um, uh, so that's cool. There are zombies killed with fire extinguishers. They get fire extinguished in their head, and then their eyes pop out. Yeah, I wasn't um, I wasn't clear on why that was happening, but that's yeah, that's I don't right. know. Everybody knows that that those are so pressurized that they'll just make your head explode. Um, uh, yes, but uh, there's a scene where a guy's swimming through a, a lake, and there are zombies grabbing at him, and he bites a zombie finger off, and then turns into a zombie. It's yeah, that's of, something new. Yeah, 
that and I always thought that was what was inferred that the that the the fluids from the zombie are what turn you into a zombie, right? That's like it's so more if you bit the blood. Yeah, it's more it's laid out more clearly in twenty eight days later than it is here. But yeah, sure. I, I guess so. Yeah, it's the I guess the the bite and the exchanging of fluids and you know that kind of stuff. But, I guess. But that are that that raises some problems that. In the original, in Night of the Living Dead, they said that any you could die anyway and you turn into a zombie. It was like there was some kind of radioactivity where it would turn dead people back into the living dead. It doesn't matter how you died. You could die of natural causes. You could die of an accidental death, and you'd still turn into a zombie. I think that's what the news reporter says. Um, well, yeah, and we and, get that at the end, right? At the very end with that sure. rather odd ending, yeah. But um, what's what, – I, I don't understand why it has to be like – Okay, so that's cool, right? That the zombies, and I guess this is a remake, so any logic goes. But um, that the the zombies it's a reboot. fluid turned yeah, into a Yeah, it's zombie. a re yeah diary and uh, if I'm if I'm not correct, a remake, yeah, yeah diary and survival are reboots. Yeah, of kind of the zom- sure. of remember, a, zombie guess, universe. Yeah, I guess remake is when you directly adapt an earlier work right. and reboot. So that, just retake yeah. the idea. And, so Savini's um, 90 film, Night of the Living Dead, would be a remake. It was a remake. Zack Snyder's uh, Dawn of the Dead would be a remake, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's interesting that there, he's assigning new logic to these zombies, except not really because some of the logic still carries over. But, um, yeah, it's not a good movie. Um, the, the editing is weird sometimes. Um, it's very odd. The characters are stock. The zombies aren't very threatening. I mean, they're just slapstick opportunities, essentially. Um, it's a parody of Dawn of the Dead. I feel like all the characters, these big tough army guys who were, you know, police officers in the original, they're just kind of big tough gunning down zombies. And this is a parody kind of of that original idea. Um, but I just wasn't bothered by it so much. I feel like it wasn't trying to be as, it didn't take itself as seriously. So that's why it didn't bother me that the movie was bad in a lot of regards. I just had more fun with it. With Diary of the Dead, it was very serious and somber, like, this is this these are the fi- final moments of these young students and you are to feel very bad about them even though you hate them um survival of the dead is more like these people are idiots watch them die and I, I the fact that it's more upfront with that made me appreciate it more i had more fun with it and i thought that there were some interesting ideas too coming from the two families the fact that like these people even though that like we see a, a scene with the children, you know, chained to the bed, um, they're zombies and there's something primal in us that won't let us kill kids. Even if they're zombies, I feel like there's some good themes, some good themes, some, some cool action scenes, some, some comedy that lands. Of course there's some that doesn't, but there's some comedy a that, lot lands. that doesn't. Well, I, and that, I think a lot of that comes from the era. I mean, this is two, 2009, but really 2010. And that was, very much the era of yo mama jokes and as we see in oh, one no, scene no, no, the guys no. watching, yo mama yo mama is 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 early 90s that's this is way i don't know there were, i remember mama. seeing i remember seeing early youtube videos with yo mama so it made a resurgence when the internet really okay came that that must have been a kind of a nostalgia thing because that was a like they used to sell the yo mama books and like uh, B. Dalton bookstores <laughs> back in the late eighties and early nineties. So I, this is more of a more of like a because we see one scene where uh what is his name I forget what his name is the bald soldier or National Guard guy um who's watching a live stream right of 
these slaps. I mean, and, and it says three weeks after the, the breakout of zombies, right? right? And they're already making comedy bits about it. I mean, people are dying and they're making comedy bits and about zombies. And that is zombies. the worst attempt at a talk late night talk show I have ever, ever seen. Yeah, you I mean, got you got one guy playing the piano and you got another guy sitting on the couch just like making jokes about them. Who would watch that? I mean, it looks like a no. bad improv class. It um, looks like it, it looks like a bad parody of a bad talk show on like Comedy Central <laughs> is what it looks like. It looks like what the Eric Andre show is like a good, but that's a good example of it where they're trying to be a bad talk show host or back bad talk show and just good for comedy. But but here's the thing. I feel like I'm disparaging this movie too much. It's a lot of fun. I feel like it retains the fun of movies like Dawn of the Dead without any of the good, like interesting, like thought-provoking stuff. It's just cool zombie action um, with, a, with a few moral quandaries. I feel like they, they, they well, pull that up. Well, yeah, like I, said, I tried to analyze this. As, I mean, what is he saying with these two families? I mean, is one of them like, I don't know, pro-life and the other one like pro-choice and pro-euthanasia? That, I don't know. That I, might I, be it. It might be, I guess. I don't know. But it's um, because so much of the focus is on, you know, this kind of Hatfield and McCoy thing between the two families that it just kind of seems to dominate everything. And, right. you know, I just... Uh, and you know, so many of these people are like. There's only two likable characters, in my opinion, in this really in this film, um, and one of them does some, one of the dumbest things I've ever seen with her twin sister. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know somehow the real survivalist is the tech geek millennial who also happens to be a crack shot. You know, yep. three weeks into the zombie apocalypse. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to nitpick. It's just I didn't have fun with this like you did. I had z- almost zero fun with it. Really? I had. No, I didn't care about the characters. It never felt like they were really in danger. Um, it, it just felt like if they were in danger, they'd place themselves that way because they're just morons like the, you know, the soldiers, the guy who's working for the one family who you know, after the zombies are unleashed and, and what do they do instead of just running, they run into a barn. I mean, why would you, I mean, they're just morons. And so I don't, I didn't really feel for him. Um, the only part I felt bad was when the, the girl does something really stupid and walks up to her twin sister and gets bit. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so I, you know, and I thought it was a waste of talent. You've got, uh, Kenneth Walsh, uh, playing the Irishman. I've forgotten all the characters' names. Playing the Irishman who is baiting people with uh, come to the island thing when he's there on the dock and he's trying to, you know, get everybody What's stuck. What's his name? I don't, I don't know that we ever get a first name, but I know his last name is O'Flynn, right? Is it O'Flynn? Okay. So he is, you know, a great actor. Kenneth Walsh has been in a lot of good stuff. Um, he played, he was in A Day After Tomorrow. He did, he was wonderful in um, the original Twin Peaks back in the day mm-hmm. um he's and done the some void. Really, he was in the void right? that's right he was in the void that's right he played one of the doctors in the void he was fantastic in the void so he's a great actor i just felt like with the accent and everything they just didn't give him anything yeah. really and so yeah. it was kind of a and waste of his talent one thing i don't understand is he's trying to kill the people you know the, the people we're following and then he jumps on the ferry and they're just totally okay with him uh, i guess they go they've got to get to plum but like don't they already 
I mean, he doesn't really give them any inf- interesting information. Due east and don't, they and there's there's no deep water, you know, a uh, place to dock, so you have to stop and you kind of have to take the dinghy. Yeah, and that's that's the. But I feel like these, use. I feel like these army guys could have figured that out themselves. They seem pretty, like, sure footed. Um, well, the one driving the boat they, seems to know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and did he have an arc? I feel like maybe he had an arc. But I'm not sure because well, he does he does apologize and then get shot in the back. Um, mm-hmm. But because he t- doesn't tell anybody that he's turning into a zombie. Well, yeah, but he's just you know that doesn't. I mean, he hasn't changed that much because of the ending scene we see where even his last remaining zombie conscious, he's still trying to square off against the guy, right? Um, And they're just shooting empty guns at each other because that's all they know, kind of like the zombies in Dawn of the Dead. You know, that's all they know is to go Mm -hmm. shop. All they know is to shoot at each other. Um, I just, I thought this was a complete waste of time and George Romero's talent. It was his last movie. I think it's really sad. I think that it could have been something really cool, especially if he was going to follow up Diary of the Dead. I think he could have done something there. I would love to have seen um, the faculty advisor, because I thought he was great from Diary of the Dead. Mm-hmm. I think he was the strongest actor in Diary of the Dead. You know, um, he had been in war, I guess, you know, he's kind of old for it, but it kind of implies that he'd been in war somewhere. I don't know if he was, you know, the Falkland Islands or where he was, he's British. But anyway, he, he implies he's been in war. Maybe he was, you know, in Afghanistan in the early days of it or something. I don't know. But um, I would like to have seen more of him. Um, I had no desire to see really the National Guard. I had no mm-hmm. desire to go to Delaware. I had no desire for the Irish accents. Um, I didn't care about these characters really. They didn't make yeah. sense to me. I don't think it really had much to say. I can't stand this movie. Oh, I like this more than Diary of the Dead. It's just it's less pretentious. It leans into it more. And and hey, listen, did did you watch this on the DVD with the introduction? Oh no, I did not. I watched it on TV TV for free. Okay, well, in the DVD, there's an introduction of George Romero, and he's filming an introduction, and zombies keep wrecking his set. They keep walking into frame and knocking stuff over, and he has to keep turning around and shooting one, but it keeps getting back up. And that just really, he was like, this is a horror movie, but there's a lot of comedy, and I hope you'll have some fun. And it seemed like, oh, like, he, he just wants you to have fun with this movie. So maybe that framed how I saw it. Like, he was just trying to have a fun time with it. And, um... There's that, and also there's one thing that was confusing to me. You watched this on Tubi, so you wouldn't have uh, experienced this, but on the DVD, when you first get into the menu, it asks you if you want to be the dead or the living, and you can select one of the two, and from from my knowledge, it didn't do anything. I selected the dead. I was like, oh, are we going to be from the zombies perspective or something? Watching the movie? No. It was just a regular movie. I think it might have to do with the ending, but I- I'll have to watch the living side to confirm that and I'll, I'll um interesting yeah i didn't know that because i'm not yeah i'm not i bought this for you for you to watch on dvd mm-hmm. i'm not buying this for me that ain't gonna happen the so. special features are pretty cool the, uh, this is a two disc dvd it's got lots of special features on it and it's kind of like a send-off from george romero um because he's got a lot of footage on there you know with him and his ponytail um he was rocking that uh, just talking about the movie and it seems like he, he had a lot of fun filming it and he just wanted to at this point not really make something that was culturally like earth shattering he just wanted to make a fun zombie movie and i feel like he succeeded i don't it's not a good movie um 
I wouldn't show this to somebody and be like, this is a zombie movie you need to see if you haven't seen one before. I'd just be like, if you're a fan of zombie movies, this is another one to, to watch, and it's kind of fun. There's some fun scenes and some, some fun use of the of the spaces they're given, like the ferry. I feel like there are a lot of good set pieces on that. And the island, like I said, I think it's beautiful, and I like the way they use that in um, they they contrast that with the, the zombies and how dirty and dingy they are and, and the greed of the humans. I feel like that's interesting, but I wouldn't I wouldn't rate this highly on its on its merits necessarily as a horror movie, but more as a just a fun experience. I have always said this: when a filmmaker wants to make a western and they can't make a western, don't make a western. Um, and so George Romero always wanted to make a Western. I think this is an excuse and I don't think yeah, it John works. Carpenter, John Carpenter wanted to make Westerns and a lot of his movies show that. I mean, Escape from New York, that's pretty much a Western. Uh, I would, I wouldn't necessarily consider Escape from New York. I, I would definitely say Ghost of Mars is, and we saw how that turned out. Ew. Um, well, he wanted to direct Westerns, right? That was his whole goal. Going oh yeah. He's a, the, he's a big Howard Hawks fan. So yeah, he wanted to direct mm-hmm. Westerns. And so is Romero. And Romero is a big, Romero is a film fan, period. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he even likes musicals. Um, you know, he did his second movie was There's Always Vanilla, which he, he wanted to do a drama and it didn't work. But um, I, I don't think it works. I think the acting is it's mediocre and it could have been good because if they just taken out the stupid accents, because if you're in Delaware, there's nobody there's not Irish clans on the Delaware Island in Delaware, folks. Um and so I, I, if they would just let Kenneth Walsh play Kenneth Walsh, mm-hmm. um, I think it could have been a lot better. Um, I think if they'd made, if he's trying to say something other than just a fun zombie movie and a Western kind of thing, um, you know, then he should have said it. If not, so be it. But I just didn't have fun with it. I didn't have that much fun with it because I just didn't care about the the characters that that much. Um you know, I, whereas I love like Zombie Land is obviously a comedy horror film, and I love Zombie Land because I love I love the characters in it, right? I, mm-hmm. Even though Jesse Eisenberg is kind of annoying, even though you know um, <laughs> well, Woody Harrelson, sure, he's supposed to be annoying though. That's that's yeah, that's he's kind of he's just kind of who he is from what I can tell right. from the interviews. But I, you know, Woody Harrelson and so forth, they're conniving, but you come to love them and it's fun, and so you care about them and. Mm-hmm. But I here I just didn't I didn't give a rat's butt about any of these people. I didn't care, and I didn't think it was that well done. I thought a, the, I thought a lot of it was distracting, and so no thumbs down for me, sir. All right. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to rating this because I think I have one that'll throw you for a loop. Um, seeing this as George Romero's send off. I mean, like for the living dead franchise this is it this is the last movie we really get i mean greg nicotero went on to do the walking dead which you know obviously you know totally shook the pop culture for for five or six years um i mean it's kind of sad i mean i i want to love this movie i I want it to be something that's amazing you know this is this giant um epic that that really encapsulates the whole thing and it doesn't do that but i still had fun with it i still thought it was it was um you know, funny, and and there were some scenes that that were a little suspenseful. Not not as much as movies like Day of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead, but um, I did still have fun with it. My ranking is going to uh, take that into account. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, 
you know, wanting ain't getting, um, as they say here in Appalachia. <laughs> and uh, okay. I want to love all these movies too. And I, and I love George Romero. He seems just like a giant teddy bear. Uh, I, I love that he had, was usually a filmmaker, had something to say, whether I agreed with it or not. Um, I'm always rooting for independent horror filmmakers. So I wanted to like this too, but um, as they also say here in Appalachia, you can't polish a turd. Um, it's just, oh. this is, this is, this is a terrible movie. I'm sorry. It's a terrible movie. So what else do you want to say before I rate this? Because, um, and I'll go first so we can end on a positive note. <laughs> sure. Um, okay. Well, um, I'm trying. I'm really. You're straying really here, buddy. Here. You're really, like really. Uh, you can't really. Well, one of the things that I'm, this is going to sound like a tangent, but it, it'll relate. One of the things I'm learning about right now in college English is that when you're writing a paper, emotional supports are not supports. You need something that is backed by cold, hard evidence. And I can't really do that with this movie. There's no one part in the movie that I can point to and say, this is masterful. This is a reason you need to buy this movie and have it in your collection. It's just a feeling I get from the whole movie that is kind of fun. And it's just like schlocky 2000s action with zombies um, over reliance on CGI. But I mean, that's, that was kind of par for the course at that point. Um, and it's just kind of fun. I, the characters are stupid, and the the zombies are obviously stupid because that's zombies. But there's some fun action set pieces. So I'm gonna let you rank it, and then I'll move on to mine. And hopefully, I mean, it's not gonna be a shining light for the series, but I've got a more <laughs> positive outlook. Um. All right. So I had I had high hopes when I saw this when it dropped to DVD in 2010, 2011. Um. I watched it. I was confused when it was over. I was very confused. I rewatched it. I rewatched it today. I'm still confused. Um, I am sad that this was Romero's last film. He didn't want it to be his last film. He had plans to do another one, um, and it didn't happen. Um, but he got sick after this, which is sad. Um, and I, I don't think this tarnishes his legacy or anything. I mean, the guy made no. several classic, classic movies. I mean, we haven't, we've talked about Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, which we all liked. But, you know, there's also Creepshow, you know, obviously mm-hmm. out there. Uh, Martin, not the and best. The crazies. The, crazies, the crazies and Martin were not the best shot or acted films, but they had, they, they were interesting at least. I will give them that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, you know, yeah, he's he's a giant uh, in the horror genre. I respect him. God rest his soul. But I I got to say, you know, I got to call when I see it. And uh, Survival of the Dead is a 3.5 out of 10 for oh, me. Oh, no. And see, it, now I know how you felt with Diary of the Dead when I read it. it's a void. Oh, okay. Well, um now hear me out this one is a six out of ten for me how did and we rehearse it, this we did not rehearse this folks um when in comparison with diary of the dead i feel like this is a, this is a six out of ten overall as a movie i think it's a six, a six out of ten like i said it's, it's kind of it's it's just kind of flat for me i feel like it's six out of ten it's it's barely positive i had fun with it not a good movie but it's fun um I don't think it's the worst of the series. I don't think it's anywhere near the best, 
but it's just you know it's one of those movies of you watch on a rainy day. Come on, <laughs> it's the worst. Diary of the Dead, though. No, oh, Diary of the Dead. Better. I was ho- I added music because I'm hoping to scare you. Oh, I know, I get that. And the, the the one you know, as much as I love Eduardo Sanchez's Exist, um, which is a found footage movie about Bigfoot, and is I think it's a wonderful film. But there is there's music in that too, which I don't understand. I, I get that, but I. Still, I no, I, I I think Dire of the Dead's a better film. Um, so I no, I can't, I cannot recommend this at all. I, I just think it's terrible. Now, if people think I'm wrong and and they think you're right, which tends to be the way that cookie crumbles. As again, it's on Tubi TV for free right now. You have to sign up, but you don't have to pay anything. You just get you know stuff sent to your spam email address, which is what I do. Uh, there are ads, but there's only usually only one or two ads per movie. Um, right. And so you can go to Tubi TV and survival of the dead's on there. So if you don't want to risk paying any money for it, you can go and do that. And I would definitely recommend not paying any money for this movie. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. See, I'm hurt. I'm personally hurt. <laughs> this, is Romero's, any- this is Romero's, uh, ghost of Mars. <sighs> uh, I don't know. I would see it more as in the mouth of madness. I'm sorry. No, In the Mouth of Madness is a good film. Yeah, I think this is a good film. Oh, no, 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 I've angered the beast. This this is close to being Carpenter's The Ward, actually. So it's, anyway, so that is, we have successfully run through all of Romero's dead movies on our build-up to Halloween. And so we will be back hopefully next week. Uh, Coming into November, we do have at least uh, planned a couple guests to come on. Um, So maybe not next week, but in the ensuing weeks, we have a couple guests coming on and and they've picked some movies they like to talk about. And so, you know, Lord willing, we'll be back um, next week. We usually record on Sunday afternoons. If there's anybody out there who listens to the podcast regularly and like to chime in, would like to be um, a guest um, as long as you're respectful and really want to talk about these movies, you're, you're welcome to come on in. And, and so we're using a new software now, so that may be a little bit of a challenge, but we'll, we'll figure it out. And so usually on Sunday afternoons around three o'clock is when we, um, do this. And so if you're out there listening, want to do, I've had several people say they do. So we'll see if we can put that together between now and the end of the year when we do our best of list um we do want to wish you all a happy halloween we hope you have a safe and a fun one they're filled with lots of horror movies and lots of food that's not good for you i'm currently on a keto diet which i am going to break on halloween because there is no way i'm going to get through halloween with no carbs i need popcorn chips and i need candy on halloween that's just the way it is that's how god intended it for goodness sakes yeah um god ordained Candy allowance. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, we always buy like four or five bags of candy. We have a lot of kids that come down the street, but we always have at least like three quarters of a bag left. And so because I love my wife and I don't want her to be diabetic, I, I take one for the team and I, you know, <laughs> I help her finish that candy off. Um, that's just the way it is. And I typically watch Halloween, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween on Halloween, but since I just watched it the other night with Joe Bob. I don't know. We may have to switch that uh, tradition up. Uh, for, for me, it's trick or treat. For me, trick or treat and Halloween are the movies that I watch. So when you say trick, um, you mean trick or treat 2009, trick not or trick or, or treat. treat from like the 80s, right? 
no, trick or treat with the R, you know, super cool and stylized um, with Sam. Sam, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The not, not Sammy Kerr, the demon rocker, but Sam, the, yeah, I gotcha. Yes. Okay. Um, which is, which is a pretty good um, horror anthology if you're looking for something that's spooky for that kind of, that, that's a great uh, horror anthology. Yep. And, and, and um, it's got that vibe, you know what I mean? There's some movies that, some horror movies that are great horror movies, but you don't want to watch them on Halloween because they don't have that same chilling October 31st vibe. But I feel like um, Trick or Treat, Halloween, and Ernest Scared Stupid are the three movies oh, that perfectly fit that occasion. Well, but, hey, Ernest Scared Stupid is a good movie. All right, Vern, I'm, I, I'll skip that one. But um, What? Nah, nah, I'll, sk- I'll skip that one. Nah, I'll skip that one. Well, what about, what about the right, killer what clown? What do you mean? Okay, kid. little John. Um, watch the watch. <laughs> um, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Ernest Scared Stupid. I'm not, I'm not a hater. It's just not a huge fan, and I'm not – and I'm not giving into my wife's suggestion that we watch Boo a Madeira Christmas or Halloween or oh whatever either. That's what she likes. No. So, I, I um, one of the things I appreciate, I think of horror horror guy Bry on Letterbox. His uh, his bio is uh, it's a uh, from South Park. Um, you know, stop giving Tyler Perry money, which is exactly <laughs> what we all need to need to think about. Tyler Perry's going to keep making movies unless we stop giving him money. So don't go see Medea movies. No. Yes. Uh, my wife, our producer and editor, um, who is smart and lovely and wonderful, actually went to the theater and paid money to see oh. a Madeira movie. And she's now telling me I'm number one. Um, <laughs> so, uh, bless her heart. She's sick. I should cut her some slack. She's got bronchitis. So, but anyway, um, where can they find you online, buddy? Well, on Twitter, I'm at Kane underscore Hero 12. On Letterboxd, I'm at Kane Hero. And that's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero 12 on Twitter. And then um, spelled the same way on Letterboxd. I've got a YouTube channel. And then there's also a YouTube channel for Father and Son Watch Horror Movies, which I posted a video to yesterday. Great video. I'm going to try to do... Great video, yeah. I'm going to try to do at least one a month. But um, you know how schedules like that go, especially when I'm doing the podcast and I've got college classes and all that. Right, absolutely. And yeah, I'm trying to do this thing called a doctorate, which I have this 40 page paper due on November 15th. So, um, <laughs> prayers and good thoughts, all kind of stuff appreciated because I'm still doing my research to get this thing written. Um, they can find me at pastor Matt R on Twitter and letterbox. And of course you can find us both at father and son, We're also on Twitter, father and son, horror, Instagram, YouTube, as, as Jackson said, we have a closed Facebook, uh, group. You just need to send me a friend request and and tell me that that's what you want, and I'll, I'll be sure to stick you in there, uh, and so you can connect with some people who don't do uh, Twitter. Uh, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We would appreciate a five-star review. Also, please share with your friends in the horror community, and we would love to hear from you, so connect with us. If you have a suggestion or a movie you'd like covered or you'd like to be on the show, and uh, just hit us up on Twitter, send us a message on Twitter, or just whatever you like, and we'll see if we can't uh, work it out. Like I said earlier, we usually record on Sunday afternoons around 3 o'clock for now, though when you go on break, uh, we'll have some different times probably where people can mm-hmm. call in, maybe some weeknights or something like that. Uh, we uh, typically have used Skype. We're uh, experimenting with Zencaster, um, which uh, the lovely Megan has set up for us. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, tune in next week. We are tentatively looking at uh, a couple of movies that uh, have an anniversary this year. 
One, I believe, is its 35th anniversary, a Wes Craven movie from 1984. And another one is celebrating its 45th anniversary this October. It is a movie by Toby Hooper from 1974. And of course, every horror fan, I think, knows what movies we're talking about. So (laughs) those could be uh, next up. Well, you and I will be talking about that uh, this week. So thanks for listening, folks. Have a great and happy Halloween. Uh, Here is to Dave, Dr. Shock Becker. Hope he's healing up and hope he's up and about and and uh, completely healed up by Halloween so he can do his ritual of House of a Thousand Corpses and and uh, have a good time there. So say goodbye to the good people, Jackson. Goodbye. And remember to chain up your mailman. Oh, man. I just remember <laughs> to avoid that movie altogether. So It's topical. <laughs> it's not. Uh, anyway, remember the family that watches horror movies together stays together. See you next time, folks. Bye.